Welcome to Co-Pilots, the podcast where we watch not just the first episode of a show, but also the second. Some shows don't have the best pilot episode. Give me that second chance, might just change your mind. Here we take that chance for you, and let you know our opinion on if a show deserves more than mm, one shot. I'm Justice. Alongside me is my co-pilot, Josh. Now, let's get ready for takeoff. Your in-flight entertainment this week will be Blue's Clues. Let's, let's be clear. Not Blue's Clues and You, not any of those spinoffs. We're talking the 1996 childhood masterpiece, Blue's Clues, with Steve. Not Joe, not... Josh. What, not, not whatever his name is. It's Josh. His name is Josh. Not whatever his name is. I think there's only three. We're, we're talking about Steve and Blue, and they exist in a book, and that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Episode one. Snack time. So we start with the Blue's Clues intro, which is like just a kind of folksy guitar bit and the, and the book opening. And then Steve leans out the window and says, hey, it's me, Steve, because we know who he is. Yep. We've always known who he is. Steve is an eldritch being that has existed in our minds since before times. Since he is our universe's wankershim. It's always been Steve. It's always been Steve. There's no need for introductions. You know who Steve is. Yeah. And along with Steve, we know who his dog Blue is. Because when he asks us if we've seen Blue, his puppy, we know what he's asking. We know what he wants from us. It's ingrained into our soul. It's a deep knowledge that we can never forget. It is part of who we are. It is part of who we all are. So then Blue bounces onto the screen and we're just like, oh yeah, there's Blue. By we, I mean... Us, the viewer, but also technically the viewer insert audience that is children. So when when you watch Blue's Clues, there is two audiences. There is you and whoever you're watching it with. And then there is the audience that is the character of the audience. Which is voiced by a bunch of children. The metatextuality of it is actually quite impressive. Truly. Beyond its time, really. Like much beyond all space in reality. We're going to keep pushing this narrative that Blue and Steve are eldritch beings because I'm here for it. Yeah, no, it's happening the entire episode. Let's go with it. Okay, cool. I will say, I don't think I've ever seen this episode. He's like, let's let's not be around the bush. We've all seen Blue's Clues. If you are a elder Zoomer or like a younger millennial, a mid-millennial, you've seen Blue's Clues. Yeah. It's basically inescapable. If you, if you were a child between the years of... 1996 and 2000. Yeah. Uh, 2000 and now. And then if now, you're an elder Gen Xer or a younger boomer, you've probably seen it because your kids probably watched it. So we've all seen episodes of Blue's Clues. And I don't think I've ever seen this first one. I have no idea. I will say, it's, interestingly enough, we did find out that this isn't the actual first episode of Blue's Clues. Yeah, Blue's Clues. So when we look up shows, we don't, when we do a show, we do look it up, but we don't really pay attention to anything that's talking about the show besides maybe like the series summary, because, you know, that's how we kind of know if we want to do something. More like if we notice a director or actor we like. Yeah, like. and then we'll normally look up that person, not directly the show. But sometimes we'll look up a show if we're not certain that the first episode we found on whatever viewing app or site we found is necessarily the first episode, which normally happens with older shows. Specifically animation or children's shows. Yeah. So we looked at Blue's Clues just to make sure that episode one snack time was indeed the first episode. 
and it's not, but it is. See, there is an episode from a year before before Snack Time called Blues Pilot, which is the actual pilot episode for the series. However, it has been lost to the annals of history, and while there are clips from it, there is no complete episode of it. However, the show, that episode did not have the iconic Steve t-shirt. Yeah, it wasn't Steve in his green long sleeve shirt or sweater. I've seen it called both, though it doesn't look thick enough to be a sweater, but whatever. He's instead in like just a kind of muddy brown long shirt and his hair is more of a bowl cut and it's weird. There were creative decisions made between the pilot and the actual first episode that served to make Blue's Clues iconic. Yeah. And one of those was the green striped t-shirt. It was indeed. Steve welcomes us into his house yeah. because he's a kind man and we have known him for all of our existence. And he tells us it's almost snack time. Now, I know you might be concerned when an unknowable reality expansive entity lets you know it's snack time, but Steve, Steve is a good man. The snack is graham crackers, not your soul. Blue also speaks up here, but Blue doesn't speak in any language we can understand, but we do understand. Yeah. Blue speaks in... It's vaguely the parents from Charlie Brown. Yeah, I mean, honestly, a lot of what Blue says is like, mm-hmm, yeah. It, it's, it has the connotation of that sound shape without mm-hmm. any of the enunciation or actual production of the language, if that makes sense. It's like Jadoon. You can understand it without understanding it. Yeah, and so we go over from the living room where we always enter because we are always invited into the warm, friendly center of this home to the snack area, which is the only way I know how to term it, because as one would expect of a being such as Steve, his house is infinite in size and form. It's kind of like there's a black hole at the center of the house, and the entire thing wraps around it. Yeah, but it also rearranges itself mm, to best needed, situate yep. the situation that Steve needs us to That's help true. him in. Um, but Steve says it's snack time, and Blue's like, no, it's not. Yeah, no. We're not ready for snacks yet. And Steve's like, wait, wait, what? what? What's going on? So, because Blue does lack the verbal capacity to interact with this in our native human tongues, she must deign to carry forth in a game of sorts. The Blue's game clues. of Blue's Clues. Steve then explains to us how the game works, but we've all played the game before. We know Blue's Clues. And if you don't know Blue's Clues, here's the rundown. The blue little dog will run around the house and your mm-hmm. property, and it will smack things with its paw, leaving a blue paw print on these things. We are looking for three things with Blue's paw print, and those three things will tell us what Blue wants. In this case, what Blue thinks we need to go with snack time. Yes, and of course, though, as we always do, we are given this lesson, and then we must be taught how do we then take these clues to formulate what answers we seek so we're instructed in the method to do this and that is the thinking song and you have to sit right down and and think 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 think. think. Mm -hmm. Uh, so steve to help us goes to grab his notebook so he can take notes on our behalf but it's not just any notebook it is specifically the handy dandy notebook yes kept by its sacred protector drawer so once he does that we set off on our clue hunt we should mention the thinking song clean bop though oh yeah like every song in blues clues fucking bop love it the worst song Mm. in blues clues the letter song also a bop yeah blues clues is unironically what i said mcdonald's was when it came to music yeah blues clues is non-stop bops steve is a certified master vocalist true it's because he's an eldritch being from deep within the recesses of your mind but so we journey off in search of our first clue which we find as we go into the bedroom yeah i believe it's blue's bedroom here and it's it's on a cup yes now due to the weird dimensions of this house some of the objects in it are placed in a manner where steve cannot see them but we cannot truly access them but we and the audience can see them yes this cup is one of the such objects 
And so we have to yell at the TV to let Steve know where the cup is. He can hear us, even though this episode is from 27 years ago. And there's a television recording. But as we've let you know, Steve is beyond your mortal understanding, and thus he knows. So he finds the clue, draws yeah. it, in, draws it in his notebook. You have to draw a big circle up here, and then two lines straight down, and a tiny circle connecting them, and then two more lines on the cup for the stripe. And there you go, you have a cup. Yep. But we can't find Blue now. Well, Steve can't. We see Blue. She's under the bed. But when Steve goes to check, she's no longer under the bed. For with her truly uncanny, beyond human, beyond natural life abilities, she's able to almost effectively teleport from under the bed to on top of it. And Blue, while kind, much as Steve is, also is somewhat of an innate trickster. Blue is a trickster god. So she takes this moment to indulge in such habits and taunts Steve with her powers. By which I mean she just vacillates between under the bed, on top of the bed, under the bed, on top of the bed, under the bed, on top of the bed, until Steve, in his infinite wisdom, fools her and pretends to doctor love under the bed but does not you know outside of like the kayfabe we're crafting for this blue's clues really does like have moments that are honestly obviously just like time fillers yeah this is one of them this is one of them like i'm sorry to break the kayfabe for a second but like this then there was another one in this episode that was very specifically time filler well we'll get to that but for now we journey back into the eldritch recesses of blue's clues so then, wandering out from the bedroom into what maybe is a continuation of the bedroom. It's like an activity area. Or is it an activity room, yes. Yes. We find Blue, along with a drawing of four elephants. But only one of them has been given color, given life. And a bowl of peanuts on, on the paper as well. Given its existence. And that elephant is sad and lonely because Blue has deigned not to bring to life the other three elephants in the drawing by giving them the color that would give them life. That such beseeches a power higher than himself. A combination of Steve, Blues, and the audience ourselves to bring color to the rest of them and bring the elephants to life. Yes, so Blue does this with our help. But first, this is also the first time we see Blue Skidoo into a drawing or painting. Yes. Blue Skidoo's right into the drawing, but we cannot. We cannot Skidoo. To not Skidoo yet. is to manipulates one's form of dimension and understanding to adhere to that of a two-dimensional space upon paper or painting. Or screen. And we are not yet there. We have not immersed ourselves far enough into this eldritch culture that is the Blue's Clues. But with our help, Blue will then give form to these elephants by providing them paint to bring them to life. In the proper colors as requested by the current living elephant. This is honestly a color recognition segment to help children learn how to recognize and and describe color. So we get a few false stops of blue standing above paint. We're just like, no. I will say, for some reason, none of the elephants are gray, which is what color elephants are. But I know like it's kind of a pastiche, but pink looks right on elephants. Yeah, pink elephants are dope. Like, that just looks right. Yeah, it's, I mean, part it's because you've seen actual pink elephants. Like, there are elephants that have been painted pink for circuses and carnivals for Uh, a long time. Okay. Also, sometimes, um, some elephants in nature might take on a bit of a pinkish hue, not because they've been painted or anything, but because of where they're living, uh, especially in, like, some areas of Africa, there are red clay deposits that'll get mixed up in the dust, so it'll dye their skin a bit more of a pinkish color. I'm loving this, this, like... Uh, Animal Planet esque mini mini so it just happens sometimes. Like it's not a very common occurrence, but it will happen like on occasion. And then I don't know why pink was chosen as like an actual color. I do know it showed up like more in like cultures that traditionally use elephants. So like some see, African things in Indian uh, see, cultures where they would paint elephants or ride elephants, and you would get maybe a bit more of a pinkish color. Like, and I'm not sure if that's partially like maybe tied to Ganesh being more of a pink tone in of, mm. in of himself. 
or if that pink tone does come from something to do with elephants in of itself see in my brain i was trying to figure it out and i was like oh actually this makes a lot of sense like just in my brain yeah because mostly in the animal kingdom yeah flesh is a pinkish tone yeah that too and elephants have no fur or anything. Yep. So they're just flesh. So them being pink makes sense. I know that they're mm-hmm. gray. Gray or like grayish blue. But like them being pink kind of makes sense. Yep. If they're just flesh, giant flesh things. Yeah, but now imagine a pink like sperm whale. Yeah, that, that's an ocean animal. That doesn't make sense. I mean, you're not wrong, but it's also just a flesh animal. <laughs> it is just a flesh animal. <laughs> imagine a pink blue whale. Yeah, it's not... Like, my brain doesn't just supply it with pink. It's like, here's human flesh as large as a whale. My brain goes, that is a natural killer with fire. Anyways, though, we got extremely off topic. So, Blue paints the elephants, bring them to life. And she has reunited or finally created this family. It's hard to say which is the true case. The one sentient elephant is aware that the others are his family and are aware of who they are to him, but they do not yet exist. Oh, um, sorry. Back to pink elephants. Yep. Pink elephants are like they, they fit in your brain for a reason and they're cult they culturally exist within our zeitgeist because baby elephants are born a, a, like a light shade of gray that's almost pink. Baby elephants yeah. are pink. That's what it's from. Mm. They haven't like their skin hasn't like hardened and toughened yeah. up yet and I knew they were lighter. I didn't realize they were that pink. Yeah, like, they're, they're, they're like, noticeably pink. Like, I mean, honestly, I would call the actual one image you showed me there that has a baby elephant more of an apricot, but yeah, I get you. But, like, the ears and stuff are yeah, pink. Yeah, Here's one. Yeah. Like, like I was aware they started off, like, flesh tony, but, like, I also didn't equate that to the pink thing. I just know we've painted elephants for a long time as well. It just makes so much sense now. Sorry, I, I had a Google. My brain was... You're good. So, once Blue helps with these elephants, we are then back on our quest for clues. And we travel through the living room, and as we do, the phone rings, causing Steve to fall. Much as I do when I get a phone call, like, you call me, I just fucking collapse. Who makes phone calls anymore? Yeah. Like, this is 1996, so it's slightly more socially acceptable. But it's not when we take into account that the call is coming from inside the house. More importantly, because Steve is an eldritch being and can interact with us in our current timeline, I think Steve is actually currently in 2023. And and thus, the phone ringing is a surprise because A, who has a landline? And B, who just calls you like that? But also, I don't know if the phone is real. I think it might be an extension of his availability to others to be able to reach out to him that he's put in physical manifest form so we are aware. Because it's it's not normally there. It's not normally sitting on drawer. There's not normally a phone there, is there? There is. There, there is? But I say this because this call is coming from inside his own home, but it is coming from Salt and Pepper, his two friends that dwell in the kitchen where we do not see a phone. Mr. Salt and Mrs. Pepper. Yes, but they dwell in the kitchen where we do not see a phone. Fair enough. But they are calling because Blue is in the kitchen, and she is making a mess. She has knocked over the groceries. So, we must help put them away, for we are at the whim, but also more than willing to help Steve, for he is a great being. So, fast forward to the kitchen. This is a shape-matching game. Yeah. Where Salt and Pepper will make shapes with their mouth, and that is the food item we were supposed to put in the fridge, or give to Blue to put in the fridge. Yeah. I do want to say, personally, this game offends me. These are all, obviously... 3D geometric shapes, and we've reduced them to two-dimensional shapes. Oranges aren't circles. They're spheroids. True. And grapes are definitely not triangles. Holy shit. It's just a bunch of grapes that you can tell has been photo edited to just be in that triangle because we see where some just stop existing. But we help with putting the groceries away. And when Blue puts them in the fridge, she, like, tosses them in, but they, like, bounce around. None of these foods are good. Like, they are definitely bad. You can bounce an orange pretty effectively. Yeah. Like, Graham crackers don't bounce, though. Unless, like, you, like, throw it with too much force, and then instead of bouncing, yeah, yeah. it goes... 
You know what don't bounce, though? Graham crackers. Graham crackers do not bounce. Have you tried, though? Have you tried bouncing a graham? Oh. Man, it doesn't work. We also see inside of Steve's fridge, which confirms that Steve is a perpetual bachelor. Yeah, he's living that bachelor life. He just has the four groceries we put away, and I think, like, two nondescript objects on the fridge door. He has graham crackers, grapes, an orange, a singular orange, and a, like, chunk of cheese. Yep. Our friend Alex would be proud. Yeah. Just because of that chunk of cheese. Yeah. But yeah, and then like two other things. So we finished doing that, and then all the objects formed together and enlarged in size to manipulate themselves into the shape of a house, which Blue then bounds out of and out of the kitchen. And as Blue leaves the kitchen, she continues her prankster trickster spirit ways and knocks over a cup. A cup filled with straws. And us, being the helpful entities that we are, bound to the will of the eldritch being that is Steve, help pick those up. Yeah, it's not too hard. I mean, they're straws. But one of these straws... Isn't just a straw. It has been blessed or cursed, depending on one's opinion, with life by Blue, who has made it a clue. It's, It's not just a straw. It's a straw and a clue. And much in the image of its own creator, this straw is somewhat of a trickster. It bounds around and hides itself from view from Steve with the cup. But the straw does not understand fully its existence. For we, as the audience, are presented a view that the straw, I assume, is unaware even exists. And thus we can see the straw well, hiding we, from Steve. Us, the audience, are obviously an extra-dimensional entity within the within yes. the realm of Blue's Clues home. But for most, that is not an issue. For Steve and Blue, this is not an issue. For they themselves are beyond even that. But the straw is not. It is not imbued with such high levels of sentience as those two are. But importantly, this is our second clue. And that means we just need to find the third paw print. Yes. Because that's the third clue. So Steve journeys back into the living room, where he once again encounters Blue, just before she skidoos into a painting. Well, you missed the mill time. I did, I did miss the, the mill time. The sentient, forever extending mailbox that extends from the front of the, the sidewalk all the way through the window into the house, because it is mail time. Yes. Which and never one... fails to make me want to well mail. Yes. So we get a letter... And it's from our friends, and they're having snack time. Yeah. Their favorite snacks are peanut butter and apples, because they taste like apple juice. Yeah. Kids, am I right? The letters are in the form of videos. Yes. And they come in giant oversized novelty letters. Which just unfold. They're basically just giant folders. Honestly, this is how all letters should be in real life. Yeah, I mean, it's how I thought they'd be when I was a kid, and then when they weren't, I was irritated. I didn't think there'd be videos in them. I just thought they would be presented in a similar packaging. The wild part is, the video thing is, like, more true to real reality than yeah. the, the oversized envelope. Because, I just like, want the oversized envelopes. They're cool. Because apparently, like, some companies do send, like... Yeah, it's weird. Anyways, though, so once we finish that, we do skidoo into a painting after Blue. Because Blue skidooed, and now we can, too. Yes. We've spent long enough immersed. Blue must open the way. We've spent long enough immersed in this world of eldritch monstrosities disguised as everyday aspects of our existence that we can now follow Blue and skidoo into this portrait of a farm. Yes. Once Blue opens the portal, we are capable of following. And on the farm, Steve walks through, singing a combination of we're just looking for Blue's clues and and E-I-E-I-O. And it is here. That he sees a chick. A chick, chick there. There, chick, here, chick, there, chick, everywhere. I don't remember how that song goes. Everywhere, a chick, chick. Cool. There are so many chicks. Yes. And turns out they need help finding each other because they all have a sing. Is despite all the ch- these chicks here, who could be friends with each other? They all have just one friend who wears a matching hat with them. Yeah, they're all extremely face blind and can only tell each other match with their hats, but also they can't tell that their hats match until someone else informs them. They are both face blind and hat blind. And so, not once, not twice, but as the Fey Realms would indicate, three, three times. separate times, 
We must we mu- help them. We must help them. And in return, they will provide their aid to us and help us find Blue, who is sitting on Steve's head the entire time. Yes. And then we find Blue's final clue. A, a cow. cow. Marked with paw prints. Cursed. To not just have white and black spots now. But also blue. Truly a sign of divine blessing. And now, we must do back into the, the, the world that is Steve's house and sit down in our thinking chair. And think, think, think. What could these clues mean? What could Blue want to go with the snack time? With a cup, a straw, a and, a and a cow. cow. Blue's a dog, so obviously Blue wants to like drink the cow. Yeah, meat slurry, baby. Meat slurry, like 100%. I don't know why that's not the obvious Reduce answer. Reduce that cow to bone mill and meat trunks. But obviously, because this is a children's show, instead it is milk. Yes, which Steve, in his infinite power, conjures into existence. Because he had none in the fridge. Yes, but he and- joins Blue in the snack room with cups of milk. And Blue has milk with her graham crackers and all the characters from the episode. The chicks, the cows, the elephants, Elephants, salt salt and pepper. pepper. They all show up to enjoy in snack time. Yep. And then we must say goodbye. But Steve wants to thank thank us for doing our part. Because we are all so very smart to have helped him with this. And he wants to remind us that we can do anything we want to do. And that is how the episode ends as we zoom out of the house and the book closes once more. To only open we are, when we are once again worthy of its knowledge. So that's Blue's Clues episode one. Yeah. What did you think? I mean, obviously, you both grew up watching Blue's Clues. Yeah. Well, what did you think? Blue's Clues episode one. Honestly, not nearly as bad as a lot of other kids' shows. Like, and, I was like, man, it's definitely not going to hold up, obviously. It doesn't. I was a child and I was fascinated. But honestly, it holds up a lot better than I thought it would. Yeah. Steve just has something about him. It's probably the eldritchness of his existence. Or the fact, like, he looks like he'd be a better, nerdier Spider-Man in the Tobey Maguire, like, feel than Tobey Maguire was. Fair enough. There's just something about Steve that is so very um, genuine. Yeah. Like, he never feels like he's talking down to the children who are the audience censor. Like, yeah. Despite the fact that the show is very, like, geared towards... Honestly, he hits some Mr. Rogers vibes, which... If you're going to do a show for kids, that's what you want. You want to hit the Mr. Rogers vibe. Yeah. But yeah, this show was a lot of fun. As an adult, not really my vibe. But like, for children, 100%. Perfectly fine. I know Bluey is a very good children's show that's popular nowadays. Yeah. But as far as like other children's shows go, I don't think they compete with Blue's Clues. I think Blue's Clues and you might. I assume it just follows the exact same setup, just with a different host. Mm-hmm. But Blue's Clues is like genuinely a great show. I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. And that'll take us on to episode two. We have had snack time, but now we need to know, what time is it for Blue? Yes, we are once again invited into Steve's kind, warm, caring abode. The opening is the same as episode one. Steve tells us that they're putting Blue's toys away. And then he asks us for our help, because he knows that something comes after putting the toys away, but he doesn't remember what time it is after that. But Blue, Blue does seem to know. But instead of telling us, we must once again participate in the fantastical game of Blue's Clues. You say game, but it's almost more like a ceremony or a ritual. Truly. I believe it is part of what Blue, at least herself, derives her power from. So, we must gather the handy-dandy notebook, which our friend Dror is always happy to provide to us. Yes. And then we must once again set off in the search for clues. But first, Steve has to explain to any newcomers the rules of Blue's Clues. Again, three paw prints on various objects. We have to find them, piece together what Blue wants, and then provide that to Blue so that we can close the ceremony and the ritual and proceed back out of the realm of Steve and Blue and back into the realm of the real world. Yes, and then of course, obviously, as always, once the clues are found, to reach that final conclusion, we must sit and think, think, think. But before all of that, we must find the clues. 
And the first clue comes very quickly. And honestly, my mistake, I thought the clue was the chair, the you rocking fool. chair. It is merely the blanket on the chair. It is the blanket. So we draw a blanket yep. in our handy dandy notebook so we can remember what clue number one was. After this, we were introduced to a new character for us, Tickety Talk. <sighs> Truly the most malevolent of spirits or entities or beings that exist in Steve's home. Tickety, Tickety Talk. Tickety Talk is the clock next to Blue's bed. And Steve accidentally startles Tickety Talk. When he awakens her, which he should not have done, he should have let her slumber. But alas, he does. And when she is startled, the hands upon her face, the bells upon her head, and the numbers upon her dial fly away. And now, we must help Tickety Talk find her hands, bells, and numbers once more. So Blue strings down to fit inside the drawer where they have all landed. And we must now help Blue find which are the right components. We have to choose between, a, between feathers, pencils, or clock hands to put back yeah. on Tickety Talk's face. And then, for the numbers, we must choose between numbers, letters, or shapes. Honestly, the shapes would be dope, in my opinion. Dots, actually. Sorry, buttons. It was numbers, numbers, yeah, yeah, letters, yeah, yeah, buttons. or buttons. Honestly, I think the buttons would be dope, though. I would I would totally have a clock that just had buttons for its face. Yeah. He's like, once you know how to tell time, numbers are irrelevant. Yeah. So that's why my new watch doesn't have any numbers on it. It just has tick marks, and then mm-hmm. at, at noon at, or midnight, it has a double tick to let you know yeah. that that's the top of the clock. Yeah. I mean, and if you really hear that much about the numbers, your buttons could just have that many corresponding holes in the middle, like where mm, you would string it. Clever. Mm-hmm. Clever. Anyways, we pick the hands. Yep. And then we have to pick, we pick the hands and we pick the numbers and then we have to pick the bells. It could be a handbell or a whistle or clapper bells. Yeah. So we pick those, put them back on and Tickety Talk is perfectly fine now. And from there we can journey on. But Tickety Talk does tell us an important piece of information in this. It is currently three o'clock yes. or roughly 2.40. Which means it is either insanely late in the in the night, or solidly in the middle of the afternoon. Yes, and from there we then travel further into Blue's bedroom to the closet. And in the closet, we come to notice that some things are missing. Well, first off, we realize that the room is not nearly as clean as we originally thought. As Steve points out that Blue, despite picking up her toys, has not picked up all of them, for there are a few messily in the room. But we focus more instead upon the closet where Steve, in his infinite wisdom, notices that there is some things missing. And first, we look through the pajamas. And there are three pairs of pajamas for Steve, but only two pairs for Blue. What is missing here? But Blue comes to the rescue by hanging up a third pair of pajamas for herself. And that's when Steve realizes that there are indeed other things missing besides the pajamas, because he only notices that one at first. And then we notice that there are also footwear missing. Yes. Steve has a, has a pair of boots... A pair of shoes and a pair of slippers. But Blue only has a pair of boots. We're what, a set of boots. A set, a set of boots, right? It would be a pair of boots. It's for a, a dog. set. It's, it's a four. set. Yeah. Um. But we're. What is missing? Where are the others? What do we need to put next? This is a pattern recognition game for the, for yep. the viewer. Obviously, the next answer is shoes and then slippers. And then we move on to the missing nighttime toys. We have stuffed animal doll, stuffed animal doll. But we're missing the next one. What is next in this pattern? It's a stuffed animal. However, I would like to point out here that so it's a stuffed bear, a humanish doll, a stuffed orca, a humanish doll, and then nothing. So the answer would be a stuffed animal, obviously. But the answers from the audience in the show say a stuffed bear, which doesn't necessarily fit with the pattern in there. Mm-hmm. But they just know it. And I'm like, look, I get you're not wrong. But also, like, that's a very specific answer when you're trying to have kids play along at home. It's just like, that's a stuffed animal. But it could be a stuffed orca or it could just be another random animal because you only have two animals so far. Two does not establish a pattern. Yeah. But that's just me being pedantic about a kid show for some reason. Blue then runs off, and while we follow her, we walk past a bookshelf. And on the bookshelf is a clue. clue. A clue? A clue. 
It is a book giggling and bouncing around behind the other books. And after some time, we manage to get Steve's attention, and he puts the book in the handy-dandy notebook. Yep. Also in the background, we see another book that has a picture of three dogs. It has blue, magenta, and... It doesn't have blue. The cover is a magenta magenta colored dog, a green colored dog, and a yellow colored dog. Yeah. So they're Blue's friends and or family. I'm pretty sure they're just friends, but they're like the exact same dog. For some reason, though, there is no rainbow colored puppy. Didn't exist yet, thankfully. So it's magenta, green puppy, and collars, which are the names of Blue's friends there. But having found the second clue, that means, as always, as goes the ritual, it's mail time. Yes. And then, because, we, because we've had mail time, it's time to sing the, the song that, that we intone that whenever we get a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. I wonder who it's from. And it is a letter from a child. From our friend. Yes. Who's just espousing what their favorite times are. And their favorite times of the day are music time. Snack time. Play time. Then there's another one where they just talk about they're drinking something. They don't really refer to it as a time, but they also enjoy that. And then they also enjoy lunchtime. Three out of the five activities of time that this kid enjoys revolve around foodstuffs. And honestly, I can relate. It's probably why we're friends. But as we wrap up this letter from our friend, we we start hearing jungle sounds, animals in the forest. Yes. And that leads us to a picture, a picture of a jungle. That Blue has skidooed into. And so that means... We too must skidoo. And here in the jungle, we must help the lion prince. And we had to help him find the animals making the noises. I didn't, I don't remember why we need to help they're him. They're hiding. They've just, oh, they're, they're just, just hiding. hiding. They're kind of shy, kind of scared. So we're helping him cheat at hide and seek. Yeah. And to do so, whenever an animal makes a noise, we must make the noise. And then identify what animal it is. Well, we identify what animal it is, and then we make the noise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And by making the noise, we'll encourage the animal to come out of hiding. It will yes. think that there is another of its kind. We are actively gaslighting these animals. Yeah. Anyways, there's a frog, then there's an elephant, and then there's a monkey. Yep. I don't really know if we need to dive further into Yeah, no, that. not really. We finish that. There's no clues to be found in this picture. Uh, so we skidoo our way out. And when we do, sitting on the sitting on a drawer... Instead of the phone. ...is a pillow. Blue's pillow. A pillow with a blue paw print. Yes. So taking his final note, Steve takes the time to sit and ponder upon what all these truly various and unknowable clues could lead to. Specifically, he thinks. He thinks. thinks and he thinks... And we come to the conclusion that it's nap time. Yeah, it's, it's all nap time. Very reasonable. Nap time yeah. is any time of the day. So being three in the morning or three in the afternoon, it is soundly nap time. Or 8 a.m. after you finish watching the show that you need to record in episode four, but you realize you're kind of sleepy and the episode was just about nap time. So you're going to go take up on yourself and you sleep for an entire fucking day. And your nap becomes a sleep. Yeah. I told you we didn't need a nap. I had Red Bulls. I wanted a nap. I felt like I could fall asleep and that doesn't happen a lot. But yeah, so after assembling all of the things for nap time, including a story to read to, to get Blue to go to sleep, yep. we read the story called A Puppy's Day, and which is a metatextual recount of, of a game of Blue's Clues that we just played. Yes. And but more re- importantly, this game seems to have taken longer than we thought. Because before we read the story, Tickety Talk shows up, and the time on her face now reads much closer to nine than three. We have spent six hours in this house playing this game, and now to enjoy the story, not only is Tickety Talk here, but all the animals from the jungle picture have have come to hear the story of a puppy's day again, a metatextual retelling yeah. of the episode we just watched. And then Steve tells us it's time for the goodbye song. But it's going to be quiet. It's quieter because everybody's sleeping. Yes. 
So he softly sings it to us. Well, yawning a couple times. And then he shushes us as we zoom out of the house. And the book closes once more. And we are freed from the realm of Blue's Clues. So what are your thoughts on Blue's Clues overall after episode two? You know, I think I really enjoy the contextualizing of this of eldritch horrors and and like abominations taking the form of household objects. I think that really recontextualizes the show for my brain. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it's a great children's show. Like it's teaching you colors and shapes and less like animal. Like it's doing a lot of like heavy preschool lifting. Yeah. Uh, and like Steve is just a good dude, and the songs are all fun. And yeah, you're not wrong. Like it's a good show. I don't know why you hate Tiggity Talk so much, but it's a good show. Honestly, I can answer that, but you're not going to be pleased with my answer. Okay, go ahead. I don't know why I hate Tiggity Talk, but I saw Tiggity Talk, and Brian just went. You hate this thing. You've always hated this thing. And I was like, understood, brain. I don't know why. I assume I just didn't like them as a child, but I, I don't like Tiggity Talk. My brain says I don't, so I accepted it. But yeah, no, of course the whole Eldritch Bean read makes sense. I mean, there's that whole film theory, which you know Matt Pat's always correct about, where Rainbow Puppy's an alien. Mm. In the Blue's Clues film theory, which hints on the new Blue's Clues movie coming out. Yeah. Um, because it had the trailer had, had, had come out by the time the theory came out. The base of the theory is that all of the pups are aliens. Yeah. And that their final form is all a variation of Rainbow Puppy. And that's Except why... I don't think they're aliens. I think they're Eldritch Beans. I think it's easy enough to assume they could be aliens, obviously. Mm-hmm. But truly, an Eldritch Bean is alien to us. It, it's really... An Eldritch Bean is just... A, a step further than alien. Yeah. Alien is not from our world. Eldritch being is not from our realm of existence. Exactly. Functionally, the same. They're similar, yeah. but different. Um, yeah, the show's great. If you have children, you should be showing them Blue's Clues. Yeah. If they're of the right age. Uh, if you, and it's also Blue's Clues is everywhere. It's on YouTube. It's on Paramount Plus. Plus. It's on like every stream. I, I saw it listed on Apple TV. You know, it's great. Like it does. I think do a pretty good job of helping teach kids. In an enjoyable entertainment form. Like, honestly, I can't tell you how well it works or how much it works. But I know, like, as a kid, I grew up playing the fucking, like, Blue's Clues CD-ROM computer games at the library whenever we would go. One of those games is legit a fantastic game. You know, like, but I would play those all the time. And, like, I always enjoyed them. But I was acutely aware I was learning as well when I did that. But (laughs) it never bothered me. Like, there were some learning games as a kid I would play and be like, I hate this game. It is not fun. And sure, maybe those games, it was just because it was Blue's Clues and I was a huge Blue's Clues stan as a kid. Or it's because they were actually good games. Or good for educational games, at least. And if you are not a child who is of Blue's Clues age or have a child who is of Blue's Clues age, Steve is on TikTok making TikTok content to make you feel like a child again. Yeah, and super nostalgic. And- he's really capitalizing on the whole yeah. social media thing. Good for him, though. Get that back, yeah. Steve. Uh, <laughs> I got a problem with it. But um, if you are like me and a huge fan of like Keanu Reeves and Keanu Reeves related things, we mentioned the new Blue's Clues movie that's coming out. We did. Blue's that Blue's Clues movie has Alex Winters in it. You know, Bill from Bill and Ted. Yep. Um, Director of the Spy Kids movies, I believe. He uh, He's just a taxi driver. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah, but that's fine. The taxi driver is an important role in the movie because like he's going to travel with him. Blue around I assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, go support Alex Winters because yeah. he's cool. I also have no idea if, when, or anything about that movie. It might already be out. Yeah, I have no, no idea. idea. I think uh, it's called Blue's Big City Adventure. Yeah, Blue's Big City Adventure with Alex Winters. They go to New York and Steve is back. And Rainbow Puppy is there. No. Yes. No. Canonically, Rainbow Puppy is no. there. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's been Blue's Clues. But if you want to follow some clues and like reach out to us and contact us. Or maybe if you want to send us, I don't know. 
a letter-ish of some sort, like maybe an electronic letter, so we can sing about how we have mail. And we can watch a video of our friends who we have never met before. You can do so by emailing us at copilotsreview at gmail.com or tweeting us at copilotsreview, which is also our handle on Hive. Yes, as well as Blue Sky, if we ever get one of those. Um, There's I, a new one, but we haven't made an account there yet. And... Yeah, I've got no idea. They just Mastodon, which I don't think we're ever going to fuck with because it seems not hard, but more than a process that i want to deal with there is a level of like difficulty that social networks are allowed to be and mastodon has taken that a little too far it's like half a step too far my brain just goes i has a tiny bit more work than i want to deal with Mm -hmm. yeah but anyways you can also find us at copilotsreview.sybilcast.com which has links to our email our twitter our patreon our youtube our tiktok our instagram our other Matt things MySpace, our Facebook, uh, all of that stuff. It's on our website. Our Tumblr. Our copiesreview.simplecast.com. Our Christian Mingle. Our, our um, Farmers Only. Our Mini Fish. Is that, the, is that the one? Plenty of Fish. Plenty of Fish. That's what it is. Uh, all of those on our website at copiesreview.simplecast.com. But we just want to thank you for flying with us. And unfortunately, it's time for so long. But we'll sing just one, one more, more song. song. Thanks for doing your part. You sure are smart. And with me and you and our pal Blue, you can do anything that you want to do. Hopefully that's flying again soon.